Amen and amen. Well, it's great to be here with you this morning. And uh, my name is Tim Harkness. I'm the senior pastor here at Harvest. And I just love being able to worship with you guys, see God moving in this place. We are in a series. This series is called basically The Mighty Fortress. We're talking about our God who is absolutely in charge, a mighty fortress. We're walking through the month of June looking at several different psalms that are all about him being our protector, our provider, our caregiver, God Almighty who has it all in hand. In fact, when we look at these psalms, each of them we look at will have the word fortress in it. And uh, that's why we chose them. That's what we're walking through. And so we've been walking over the last couple of weeks here through Psalm 46, broke it down into two different weeks, and we were walking through what it means to listen to our God, to be still before our God, to behold our God, to make much of Him in the midst of knowing that He is a very present help in trouble. And uh, that's been a huge start to this, and today we're going to jump into Psalm chapter 18. So turn with me, if you will, to Psalm 18, starting in verse 1, and we'll get going here. Psalm 18, verse 1, as we begin to learn about God as our rock and our fortress. And uh, First point here, love your God with all that you are. Love your God with all that you are. Now, as we dive into this, it's always good to know a little bit about where we're going. And just so you know, with the Psalms, a lot of them for your Bibles, they've got a little bit of explanation right after the giant chapter number. It tells you a little bit about who wrote it or what might be going on, some thoughts that uh, some of the manuscript experts have towards what's happening. And this is viewed to be a Psalm from David. It's a Psalm written at the kind of the post end of his life, taking a deeper look back at all that God has been doing with him and for him. And uh, with that said, this psalm is actually almost exactly recorded in 2 Samuel 22. And David is the one saying it and singing it out as he's making much of who his God is. All right? So here we go. He starts in verse 1. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation my stronghold. Right? He starts out and he says, I love you, Lord. This word love in the Hebrew, it means I have this deep care and compassion for you. I long for you to be glorified. I look to make much of you in my life. You matter to me. I, I love you. And this is a huge deal. We have this warrior in David who is speaking out and saying the words, I love you, Lord. And, uh, man, this is a huge moment of tenderness as David is revealing out how God matters to him and how much he is willing to lay on the line for him. I love you, Lord. And uh, man, today's Father's Day. Let's just take a little moment and say this. Guys, don't ever, ever, ever think you're too cool to say the words, I love you. All right? And all of God's men said or I love you, whatever you were going to say there. I don't know what you were going to say out, right? And, uh, and uh, look, bottom line, it's appropriate for us to share where we stand and that we are real on it. Make sure that your kids know you love them. Make sure your wife knows that you love her. Make sure your family knows that you love them. Make sure your God 
knows that you love him. With all you've got leaning in, this is a warrior and the king of Israel. I love you. And man, make sure that those words come rolling off with ease and passion and compassion as you let your family know where you stand with them, as you let your God know where you stand with him. And uh, David's like, I love you, O Lord. And remember, uh, we said this several times over, and you're going to hear it again a couple of times, but O Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. When it's all in caps, this is the personal name of God being used, Yahweh. In this moment, this is David writing down, I love you, the one who is so present right here with me. Let's just take a little bit of a moment to camp on this word, Lord, all capped, all right? The first time we see it in Scripture is with Moses in Exodus, and he's dealing actually with God. God's telling him, okay, I want you to go in, and I want you to basically help free all of Israel from Egypt. And Moses is like, yeah, I don't really want to do that, right? And so God starts talking to him through the burning bush, giving him hope, giving him thought, giving him confidence. And at the end of it, Moses is like, yeah, that's all great. I can walk in and say that, but who do I even say sent me? You know, the magic burning bush talked to me and told me to tell you this? Like, what do I actually say? And, and God says, you tell him that Yahweh sent you. Now, that word means the I am that I am, Yahweh. It literally is saying that from eternity past to eternity future, there is no beginning and no end in me. You tell him that's who sent you. You tell him that the one who has eternity in hand, that he does not depend upon anyone, ever. Everyone and everything in all of creation depends upon me. You tell him that's who sent you. The word Yahweh has built into it the vastness and the massiveness of God, but it's also the personal name of God just revealed from God to Moses saying, this is my name, Yahweh. I am right here with you. You tell him that you know the personal name of the divine God of the universe, and he's calling you to act. You tell him that. That's the name that we see here. He says, I love you, O Yahweh, O one who is above all others, who comes from eternity past to eternity future with no beginning and no And I love you, O Lord, the one who is so personal and right here with me. I'm in awe. David spends a little time just to camp out on God's greatness. Man, make sure that in your prayer life, you are camping out, talking to God about his awesomeness. Spend moments revealing out what has blown you away about him. And that's what David starts to roll into here. He says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. Please hear me, not a strength, but my strength. Everybody say my. My personal God leaning in. You are my strength. You empower me. You help me to take each step moment by moment. You're bringing an empowerment. You're giving to me what I can do. But more than that, you're working beyond me into this world, into the circumstances. You are affecting and impacting the things around me. And your strength is released into this world. You are my 
strength. I lean on you, God, because I have hope in you. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, the Lord is my rock. Lord, I trust in you and I lean on you. Nothing moves with you. The foundation is firm with you. Life is found to be secure. Not easy necessarily, but secure in you. You are my rock. The Lord is my rock and my fortress. And uh, here's where we get the name of this series from, right? You are my fortress. You are that strong high place that is impenetrable. You are my safety when the enemy is pressing in. You are my security. You are my hope. You are my fortress. Man, your God can be found to be so safe and secure. Come to him. Lean on him. Place your hope into him. He is your strength. He is your rock. He is your fortress. And then he says, and my deliverer. Please notice how many times he uses the word my. My, my, my. Over and over again, God pressing into his life in a very real, very experiential way. And so now he's throwing it back to God, reflecting on how great God is in his life. You are my deliverer. There are moments where I have been in problems and I was certain there was no way out. But you showed me the way. You are my hope. And in the midst of my struggle, you are my deliverer. Not I am my deliverer. And sometimes I see that you come alongside. You are my deliverer. I lean on you and I trust in you. And uh, God is our refuge, our hope in the midst. It says, my God, my rock, my God, my rock. Not a God, not that you're in general in charge out there, but you are my God. I worship you. I anchor into you. You are my strength. You are my security. You are my foundation. Nothing moves because of you. Man, this is some power, prayer, and worship going on. And uh, David, just bringing this with all he's got, he says, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, Uh, security, hope. When all things look like they're falling apart, I'm trusting in you. You are my everything. God, I place this in your hands and I don't even understand what's going on. Refuge. When things look dire, when you are uncertain of which way is up, know this. He is your rock. He is your refuge. He is your strength. He is the one you can lean on. When it doesn't make any sense at all, lean on him. And all of God's people said, it's a huge prayer. That's a huge time of worship as we take our struggles before our king. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, my shield. Literally, uh, this moment of lifting up and defending an arrow on fire coming in that may stick to it, a, a blow that may be coming and you deflect the blow. The shield is used to take the hits from the enemy and push them away from you. They do not hit me because of you. You are my shield. 
and I lean on you and I trust in you. God is our protection. And, you know, Scripture talks about him being a hedge of protection, this breadth that's put between us and whatever is coming. I'm telling you, we go through such heartache in this world. But the reality is we need to embrace how much God is actually deflecting away and not letting touch us. He is a hedge of protection. There is so much that he is pushing away and saying, nope, not that. Nope, not now. Nope, not ever. We're not going that way. And God has a plan and he knows exactly what he's doing. And he is our shield. He is our hedge of protection. He is our hope. May we lean on him. He knows exactly when to say no and exactly when to say yes. And he's got a plan in the midst of it. It says he is the horn of my salvation. The horn of my salvation. Now the word horn literally is used to mean victory. Okay, and so often the kings would have a ram's horn. A ram's horn typically meant we won. And there would be a blowing of this ram's horn to say, victory has been had. And when he's like, you are the horn of my salvation, he's like, victory has been had. Salvation has been found in you. Now, David here is talking about physical salvation along the way. But we can now know through Christ and the cross that with God, we can have spiritual, eternal salvation a salvation that lasts forever. Like, hear me, man. It's not just a moment. It's not just a taste or a touch. It is forever that we can have a salvation in him. He is the horn of our salvation. He is the one who went to the cross. He is the hope beyond hopes, the son of God, the almighty king of kings, Lord of lords. He is our hope. And all of God's people said, man, he is the horn of our salvation. I have nothing without him. I have everything with him. Praise be to God. He is the horn of our salvation, my stronghold. Now, that word can actually be used to the negative or the positive. And uh, we've heard the word stronghold get used, and it can be used for that thing of evil that tends to have a grip on your heart, the thing that distracts you, that takes you away, the, the whisper that makes you constantly think about what feels good in you. That could be considered a stronghold. But he's like, here, I'm just saying God is my stronghold. I've got my hope and trust in him. He's got a grip on my heart. My worship is on fire. He has the final say. I long for him to be worshiped in my life. You are my stronghold, my security, my safety, my place I run to for refuge. These are the words of David, the king of Israel. And, uh, we have to keep this in mind, man. The author of this, the guy who wrote this, is writing from experience, all right? As David is writing these things out, he's reflecting back on what's gone on in his life. Let's just talk about David for a little bit here. The guy was born kind of the youngest in a family. There were a lot of brothers that were sort of pushing back down on him. Some of you may be able to echo an amen to that. And he had this experience as the young one who was forced out to be a shepherd. So he was the one caring for the sheep. Now, the sheep mattered a lot to the family, but the role of shepherd was actually typically viewed as kind of a lowly job. And so David is the guy out there watching the sheep alone all day long, all night long. His job is to manage the sheep. 
And so you can imagine over time, you get a little lonely. You start bringing in other things and facets in your life to try to keep the day moving. And David became very adept in music and some of why you see him in the Psalms here. And being able to play the harp and being able to write songs along the way. He filled his day in different ways. That was one of them. Another way he filled his day is being able to find some rocks that he was going to kill animals with that were going after his sheep. Like, we have to understand, this is a man's man guy. This is a dude who's walking around, and a bear comes running out to the sheep. And you and I all know, if it was us, bear comes out, we're like, guess God didn't want us to have sheep, right? <laughs> and we, like, take off. We're done, man. Like, I, I'm not going to be a part of that. I got to get out of here, right? And he goes in face-to-face, head-on, takes this bear on, whacks him, kills him, done. Lion, same thing, done. It doesn't matter who you are or what you are coming at my sheep. These will be protected. Look how God was preparing him to be the king of Israel, to be able to take over a nation and care with all he's got. And he became a warrior in the field for the shepherds. His music became well-known, and over the course of time, actually as Saul was king, there was times where David was called in to be able to play the harp and sing songs, to be able to make music to calm Saul down. David and his music began to be well-known at the higher levels, and Saul ended up using him there. And over the course of time, as David was appreciated and some of the positions he had, he got to know little details. One of the details he got to know was There's this really huge giant named Goliath who is mocking Israel with all he's got, saying, come on out and fight me. You guys are so little. You're such losers. You're right. Those are all kind of my words. I'll just say it that way. But bottom line is Goliath calling him out and none of them are going up against him. They're like, do you see how huge that guy is? And David is like, this is ridiculous. I have killed bears, I have killed lions, I've got God on my side. He goes and grabs a few stones, comes walking out, by the way, a stone probably about like this big, puts it in a sling, gives it one chuck, hits him in the head, Goliath falls down dead, cuts off his head, it's the end. That's how fast he went from little shepherd boy who sings a song to absolute hero in the nation of Israel. And now everybody's starting to talk about how great he is, how strong he is, how unbelievably is. Saul puts him in charge of his armies. David is now leading armies to war. He is taking care of his men. He is raising up through the ranks. And, and then Saul gets a little worried. This guy's being liked a little too much, right? Little songs out there like David kills his ten thousands while I'm killing my thousands kind of thing. Hey, mocking the king? No way, man. And this guy's dangerous and Now Saul is against him, and there's a moment where David has been told by God that he is going to be made king, and it doesn't happen for a long time. Instead, he's got Saul trying to kill him. He's got everything going sideways. He's got major problems on hand. Have you ever had somebody trying to kill you on a daily basis? That's kind of a bad day, right? And and like, things aren't quite going the way you'd prefer, and that's the guy writing these words. Now let's go back and check it out for a second. The shepherd, the defender, the warrior, the soldier, the mighty man who is following God says, I love you, O Lord. Bring your tenderness no matter how tough you think you are. Make sure you're real about your love and your care. You are my strength, 
He's looking back and remembering to those days where he was on the run and he was exhausted and God provided and he needed direction and God made a clear path. You are my rock. Imagine the moment you're trying to hide and run to save your life and you climb up in the crevices of a rock and lean back in. You're finding protection, security in the rock. That's who you are to me, God. You are my rock. You are my fortress getting up on top, being able to look down from above, see where the danger is, know that you are safe in the midst. You are my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge. You are my shield. How many times do you think a warrior would use a shield? These are all things in his daily life and his deliverance that he experienced with his God. You are the horn of my salvation. You are my stronghold. I am safe because of you. This is David's song as he reflected on a little bit of what went on just in the younger years and maybe the middle years of his life. David experienced massive safety with his God. And he used his skills and his passions to be able to talk with his God about it. A simple question for you. And what experiences are you going through where God is actually bringing to bear security and safety, direction and guidance? Maybe it's a very tough moment. It's not that the moment is easy in itself, but God is doing something. Reflect on that and see that. There's another question, man. What skills and passions has God given you? You might be like, I am certain it's not songwriting, right? And that's great. For a lot of us, it isn't. But being able to figure out what God has given you and how he's blessed you and being able to use that to echo back to him his greatness Maybe it's a serving gift. Maybe it's some other way of leading gift, whatever it is. But you're saying, my God is awesome. And I stand on behalf of him. And I use what he has given to me to be able to echo his glory. I point to my king. And all of God's people said, it's a huge deal for us to be able to allow our experiences and our giftedness to be able to direct back to our God. And how many times have you said, I love you, Lord. Make sure that becomes part of your daily language. Bring it to your God. First step here, love the Lord your God with all you are. Second, cry out and trust in your God who has it all in hand. Cry out and trust in your God who has it all in hand. And, uh, We'll jump in here, starting in verse 3, and just use verse 3 only. He says, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from mine enemies. I call upon the Lord. Like, I, I cry out. I'm like, oh, God. Right? I call upon the Lord. and uh, He leans on him fully. That's what it means. It means to put words on your lips, but it means your heart is leaning and trusting in him. To call upon the Lord. See, we end up using this word kind of regularly, and you know, it, it can end up becoming a little bit on the, it's just whenever we're telling God about our problems. Let's get real, man. We start going through our problems, and we're like, God, this is really hard. God, I don't even know what you're doing. And, and God, I wish that, and God, the way I would see it is, 
And all of a sudden, our prayers start to become, let's be honest, a little bit more like complaints or maybe even accusations. God, what are you doing is kind of the thought in our heart. Just so you know, that's not calling out upon the Lord. That may be calling out the Lord, but that's not calling upon the Lord, right? The difference is massive. We may be like, I'm done with this. I'm sick of this. That shaking your fist, upset with, accusing, complaining, that's not what we're talking about. Everybody say, not that. That's not what we're talking about. Take the complaining and set it down. He is Yahweh. There is no beginning and there is no end. He speaks and this world exists. He is perfect and in charge. The better question is not, God, what don't you get? The better question is, God, what don't I get? Right? What am I missing and I'm trusting on you? Call upon the Lord. And, um, I just wrote this down. How do I call on the Lord? How do I call on the Lord? Five things. Ready? Number one, see clearly. You cannot call upon the Lord if you don't see things clearly. Encounter your great God deeply and personally. Encounter him in the word, the truth of who he is. Encounter him experientially in your life. Whatever he's doing in your life as you're seeing him move and shape, as you're seeing doors open or even doors close, encounter the living God experientially and in the written word, being able to see who he is, see it clearly, who he is and who we are, who you are personally. Be honest about your sin, get it real, get it transparent before your God. See clearly. That's the first one. Number two, come knowingly. See, once we see it, now we get it, we can come with full admission and knowledge. Come knowingly. In order to call on the Lord, we see clearly, we come knowingly. I identify my weaknesses. God, this is where I'm failing. This is where I'm faltering. This is the sin that needs to go. Please forgive me. This is how great you are. This is where I'm missing it. Please forgive me. And see clearly, come knowingly. Right? We walk into the presence of God admitting who he is and admitting who we are. That really sets the stage well for worship. See clearly, come knowingly. Number three, exalt passionately. Exalt passionately. And uh, in the middle of your prayer, in the middle of your calling upon the Lord, much like David did here in Psalm 18, lifting his name up as you behold his greatness. Man, do you spend time in prayer saying, God, this is how awesome you are. Let me tell you some of the character traits about you that blow me away. Behold his greatness. The things you're learning about him, pour it back to him. God, I'm in awe that you know everything. Lord, I'm in awe that you have no beginning and no end, that you speak and things are, whatever it is, God, I'm in awe that you care for me even when I'm in rebel mode. I'm in awe. You are awesome, God. Man, spend some time exalting passionately where you behold and then be still. We talked about this last week, right? Be still. Like this is pushing against. Be still literally means to drop the arms. No more battling. True, passionate exaltation 
is when you have dropped your arms, you're done fighting him, you long to see it all go the way he wants it to go, you're trusting. Lord, I drop my arms. What do you want done here? Make sure he's leading in every circumstance of your life. In how many circumstances? Let that settle for a moment. <laughs> That's a big deal, right? We're like every, and I can't believe I just said those words, right? Be real, man. Every single thing. You're in charge, God. Here's some things I see. Here's some things I'd love to have happen, but God, I'm reading your word, and I'm longing for you to do a work. You're in charge. I'm in awe of who you are. Behold and be still, right? So we see clearly, we come knowingly, we exalt passionately, and then we depend humbly. Lay your struggle before him. Depend humbly. Literally, God, I can't do this alone. Calling upon the Lord is an admission you do not have it. I do not have this God alone. If you're like, no, this problem, I got it. I got it all completely managed. I'm just telling you, you're either not seeing all that's going on in it, or there's more things to come, and God's going to be walking you through it. Please hear me. God continues to walk us through things that will grow us. He does. And uh, God cares for you, and he loves you, and depend humbly upon him in the midst of whatever you're walking through. Seeing clearly, come knowingly, exalt passionately, depend humbly, and last one, trust fully. Trust fully. He knows everything. He can do anything, and he loves you with all he's got. Trust fully. This is a huge deal, man. To learn to call on the Lord is everything. May your daily walk not be a one-shot prayer, Everybody listening now? May your daily walk not be a one-shot prayer as you're walking through the day where you're like, God, I just hand this all to you, and I pray this could go better. And then we move on. And that's like it, and there's no more conversation. And may our time be spent with God where we're digging into his word, where we're watching for his hand at work in our lives, where we're crying out from the moment we wake up throughout the day, God, we're handing this to you. We long for you to take over this. God, I'm giving this to you. I'm trusting in you. You're in charge. You are awesome. And you've got this. Lord, help me to see that in every facet of my walk. That's power prayer. And all of God's people said, all right, how do I call on the Lord? I see clearly. I come knowingly. I exalt passionately. I depend humbly and I trust fully. Please notice here he says, I call upon the Lord. Why would I call on him? Look at what it says. Why would I call on him who is worthy to be praised? Like I'm lifting your name up because you are the greatest being in the universe. The end. I'm done trying to make this world revolve around me. May it now revolve around you as it should be. You are worthy to be praised. He said, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from mine enemies. 
Like whatever it is I'm facing and going through, God's going to be there with me. He may walk me around it. He may walk me through it, but God's got a plan. He's going to be walking with me on that journey, and I'm going with my God. I lean on you. I trust in you, Lord. May you get everything. And cry out and trust him. Call out in the midst of your struggle. Simple question for you. What is it you are struggling with? What is that thing that distracts you, that constantly gets you to take your eyes off of him and it's time to put your eyes on him? Maybe it's something going on with a friend. Maybe there's even a hurt friendship that's going on. Maybe there's something going on in the home. Maybe there's a health issue. Maybe there's a job issue. Maybe you're looking for some schooling direction and you're trying to figure out next steps and lean on him. Taking everything you've got to your king and watching him lead. I just thought this would be a good time to give you a little update on where I'm at. Uh, We continue to make progress in our health and uh, I say our because John is walking through it with me whether she likes it or not, right? And uh, we walk through this together and we um, are truly seeing some great progress. God, like this last week, I've had like zero dizziness, none all week long. So praise God for that. Amen. Yeah, that's a huge deal to be able to be up and walking and getting around more and to be able to be back driving again now and uh, just no dizziness at all. Not on any meds either. Uh, I haven't been taking any meds all week long, actually for the last two weeks, really. And so things have been going very well in the progress. Um, here's where we are. So uh, coming up in August, uh, we're going to need to get another MRI and see how things have gone. So after a surgery like this, you end up, for those of you who are new here, maybe this is your first week, so I had a brain surgery about four or five weeks ago, April 30th. And uh, so when you have that surgery, there's a lot of inflammation. And so they have to wait until the inflammation dies down before we can really figure out how well things went. So we're going to be doing an MRI on, in August, the first week of August, and we're going to see where things are at. The day after that MRI, we're then sitting down with the doctor to talk about next steps. Most likely, there will be an addressing of it some more. Uh, this tumor is uh, partially attached to the carotid artery that's running through the middle of my head. So uh, tugging on that would be a bad plan, and all of God's people said, <laughs> Right? So they've been very careful about that every time they've gone in, and that's been one of the pieces that has allowed it to continue to grow back as it is attached to some very precarious positions. So we're probably going to have to do some things in dealing with that. It very well may include some radiation. So there's going to be some need for doctor's wisdom on that and uh, next steps. So just be praying for that. That's where we are. August is really when those things are going to be revealed. Quite frankly, uh, we've been through the heavy battles at this point, and uh, this one's kind of easy at this point to just say, God, you've got it. We're trusting you. Doctors, super smart. They know what they're going after. We've got several options, and we're going to be going after those together. We long for God to have his way. That's a huge deal. We long for God to have his way. Man, make sure that in the midst of any struggle you have, your biggest and first and highest priority is God gets the glory. And all of God's people said, huge deal. May we call out to our Lord no matter what we're going through and long for him to have his way. So what's your thing?
what's your struggle that has you distracted or gets you offline or maybe gets a little bit of fear rolling in your soul and it's time where you start saying, what if, and you're dropping the don't forget, God's got his presence right here with me to make an impact. And what is it you're going through that tends to distract? Make sure you've got that grasped. Then commit to calling out to your Lord, seeing him as he is, seeing you as you are. Come knowingly, exalt passionately, depend humbly, and trust fully, and watch God move. And all of God's people said, all right, last Remember, remember past moments of your God with you. Remember past moments of your God with you. Now, at this point, David sort of picks up pace, and he begins to walk through a variety of experiences that he went through. And we're not going to take a lot of time in here, but I just want to walk through several sections of this and just bring out a point or two as we go through verses at a time, all right? So starting in verse 4, as David remembers, he said, The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. By the way, remember Hebrew poetry. Do you hear the repeat within those couple of verses where he just says the same thing over and over in a couple different ways? He's like, man, they were all around me and they were trying to kill me. He's looking back to when Saul was pressing in, to when the other uh, enemies, the Philistines or whoever, were pressing in. And he's like, man, they were trying to kill me at every level. He's like, let me describe to you my problem. Right? That's the first piece there. I was confronted with a problem. And then the next part of his remembering, he says, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. I was confronted, so I called out. That's what this says, right? I was confronted with struggle, so I called out. And when he called out, God heard him and responded. Please hear me. Don't read this and say, so God doesn't know what's going on until we tell him. Everybody say, that's not what this means right? That's not what's going on. He's like, as I started to get it, please hear me, God definitely working with us, longing for us to understand our need for him. And as we finally get our need for him and we begin to call to him, he begins to respond in. He's helping our worship along the path. You getting it? This is a huge deal. It's not that God didn't know until you said, it's that God's calling your worship to higher ground. And as there's a call out, God comes rushing in and is a part of things there. And praise God, there's times where we don't even get the need or we're missing it and God rushes in even then, but often he works to grow us in the middle of our struggles by helping us see our need for him. And uh, that's what we see here is he was confronted, he called out. Then it says, then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations also of the mountain trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth, glowing coals 
flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Think or thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly. How did he come? On the wings of the wind, he made darknesses covering his canopy around him, thick clouds dark with water out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coal of fire broke through his clouds. Bottom line, he has holiness on his side, and he comes with authority on his side, and he comes swiftly. Praise be to God. Amen. Man, when we are confronted with problem, call out to him. God will come swiftly. When confronted, call out. God will come swiftly. Lean on him with all you've got. And then he says, the Lord also thundered in the heavens and most high uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire, his words speaking massively. He says, and he sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth lightning and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen and the foundations of the world were laid bare. At your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils, you speak and it is. Praise be to God. Man, may we worship the God who is in control. He speaks and it is. What he desires happens. We lean on him and trust in him in the midst of this broken world. It's a huge deal. Man, if you've struggled with heartache, if you've been hammered by trouble, you may have asked the question, I don't understand how a good God could allow such hurt, right? And uh, let's make sure that we grasp just a few things about suffering, some theology of suffering that we lock down from this passage, all right? A couple of things that are true, ready? Good strong amen on the end of each of these. Here we go. This world is broken. Dude, this world is broken. And the sin that we have brought into this world has broken it. Genesis chapter 3, Romans chapter 5. The sin of mankind has brought brokenness, heartache, and pain into this world. And uh, it's troublesome and it hurts. We will at times suffer. Yeah, a little weaker on that one, you guys. <laughs> we will at times suffer. Yeah. It's true. We will walk through heartache. And there are times where we are hurting. And there's moments where we start crying out, God, why would you allow this? And please hear me. We begin when we're saying that to cry out and say, God, I long for absolutely no pain. In other words, I know I've sinned and I know this world is in destruction and I know that this world is broken, but I don't want it to touch me. That's not the plan, just so you know. The theology of suffering is we have broken this world with our sin and there are times where that sinfulness and hurtfulness and brokenness will touch us. There will be suffering at times that touches. Truth. Cry out to God in your hurt. And all of God's people said, huge theology of suffering. Do not sit alone in your hurt. Call out to him. And we've already talked about what calling out looks like and the steps of it. Make sure you are getting real with your God. In the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the heartache, do not walk through it alone. Call out to your God. And then number four, this is a big one. 
He will either remove the problem or he will give grace to you to walk through the problem. He will either remove the problem or he will give grace to walk through the problem. And all of God's people said, gather that in for a moment, man. He will remove the problem, sometimes done, over. Praise be to God for those moments. When he walks us around the struggle, there are moments where God will say, and I will step in on this. It's done. It's over. Come with me on a very soft walk for this moment in time. Praise God for that. There are moments where he says, I will heal that circumstance or I will heal you. Praise be to God. Moments where he walks us around the problem. And then there are moments where he gives grace to walk through the problem. David's words in Psalm 18 here were echoing in so many different ways the same words that Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians when he heard from God and God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. Man, our understanding and our theology of suffering has to be this. This world is broken. Sometimes it will touch me. I will always call out to my God in the midst and I long for him to do a work. Sometimes he will remove the very thing that I'm looking at as the problem and other times, other times he may give me the grace to walk me right through the middle of it and either way I trust my God. Amen, man. Simple summary if we were going to put it down to a couple phrases. My God can, my God will, and even if my God doesn't, I will worship him. Let's just say it big and say it out loud. My God can, my God will, and even if my God doesn't, I will worship him. I'm just telling you that is a theology of suffering that will get you through so many struggles. We wrestle when we begin to question those tent poles and we begin to say, it shouldn't be this way. It begins to bring fears and despairs. It begins to bring doubts and concerns. And please hear me, man. God knows everything and we know very little. Lean on him. He is our everything. He brings our hope. He brings our safety. He brings our security. He is our God and all of God's people said, a mighty fortress.